are the voyages of the starship Therapies. Its continuing mission to explore strange inner worlds, to seek out new insights and new realizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. needs refilling sir there you are spock you can't be gone like this can't you see i'm ill bones wasn't kidding about the cardassian flu uh speaking of bones um i don't like that tone spock captain just try to breathe you know through your mouth not your nose um i'm afraid i was unable to catch bones before he left on the last shuttle what Beam him back! According to my calculations, he's halfway to Ryza and well out of range. No! How will I get the inoculation? Well, technically, sir, once you recover, you will be inoculated. So there's no hope. I must suffer. (laughs) Now, I know you're in distress, sir, and struggling with a great deal of phlegm. Go on, Spock. Leave for Vulcan. I've had a good run. Best to roll credits. I didn't realize Cardassian Flume made one more dramatic. What's that? Never mind, Captain. As you say, roll credits. Yes, well, greetings, everyone. I am Justine Maston, LMFT, Yogini, writer, researcher, and beleaguered captain of this particular ship. For however long it lasts, welcome aboard. And I'm Larissa Garski, LMFT, writer, researcher, Spockian first officer, and really, everything is going to be just fine. Fwah! Just a reminder to the listeners at home that just because we're therapists does not mean that we are your therapists. Unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist. Now, Captain, I know this is not your preferred way to spend the earth and celebration of Tofurkeys, but it it's not so bad. Spock, how can you even say that? I've got a terrible cough, the chills, last night I could barely sleep thanks to a fever, and today I'm hoarse! I'm more phlegm than Starfleet, Captain. My goodness, you really are at a low ebb, sir. Just like Jack. Jack who? Jack Skellington. Ugh, whoever he is certainly hasn't suffered like me. Come now, sir, you must remember the holiday movie festival you put in for the crew two weeks ago? I was so much younger then. So fit and virile. Captain, I know you're feeling terrible right now, but you're going to pull through. Just like Jack pulled through once he realized what was really bothering him. But I know what's bothering me. It's the fucking Cardassian flu. But you've been sick before, sir. Ugh. And it hasn't laid you so low. Might there be more that troubles you? No. Spock, let it go. Isn't it time to commemorate a certain captain's successful rotation around their local star? And a significant one in Earth years. Ugh. I'm gonna be 40. 
In days, I am going to be 40. I'm not a young Starfleet captain. I'm just a Starfleet captain. It's like on Supernatural when people stopped commenting about what young FBI agents the boys were because they became appropriately aged FBI agents. I mean, that's a, that's a great, um, you know, example. Um, but we definitely spoke about your birthday as recently as last week. And honestly, you did seem to be feeling fine about it. I know. That was a week ago. A week before I had days and days to wallow in my convalescence with the Cardassian flu. Brings up a lot of thoughts of mortality. You know, Spock, I could have lived exactly half my life already. Is this what red shirts feel like all the time? Yeah. Oh, that sounds exhausting. Genuinely. Mm. It's amazing that people, you know, accept the red shirt when it's offered them. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> uh, yes, so... Mm. I am I am having some feelings. I'm dealing with some feelings. That is accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it occurred to me as I was convalescing um, and watching the most random Netflix programming, um, because that's what I do. Uh, when you're ill or just any time? I don't think we need to specify or anything. <laughs> uh- <laughs> that's true. Totally fair. Um, but I did watch the entire series of Daybreak, which is, like, it's based on a graphic novel, but it's, like, a zombie post-apocalyptic thing, and it's, like, is it good? Is it not good? I don't know, but I watched the whole thing, and, um, the, the basic premise, I will not be spoiling anything, they talk about this <laughs> in the opening credits, um, okay. Is that a nuclear bomb goes off and it kills all the adults. Anyone over 18 dies. Oh. Yeah. Which I think has something to do with the amygdala. But anyway. Uh... (laughs) Okay. You know, the amygdala is a very important part of the brain. Spoilers. Mm -hmm. Well, not spoilers. Everyone should really know that. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, no. That was... That's not true either. Everyone shouldn't know that. Um, if you if you have if you work in mental health, you should know that, right? Uh, Joe and and Jane and uh, their son, their son Paul. They they might not know that. No. Joe, Jane, and Paul six pack. <laughs> um, but I digress. This this is going to be a fun episode, everyone. My my head is is full of Dayquil. I was um, going to say you're really in the game, sir. Very <laughs> very focused. I mean, we're now a good several minutes on here, and and no closer to making our way back to um, the the premise for today. But you know what? If I stop interrupting you, we're going to be closer. So I'm going to reel it in. Well, I thought if I didn't take a Dayquil. Then I would be coughing and sneezing more. And so really, I did this for, for you. Um, Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, yeah, so anyway, the premise of Daybreaker <laughs> is that all the adults die. And 
I don't know if this specifically got me thinking about it or if I had been thinking about it and this just kind of like poked at it. But, Mm -hmm. you know, my dad died right before I turned 30. Yeah, that's true. And then my mom died this year. Mm -hmm. Right before 40. Right before 40. And so I'm walking into 40 without these primary adult role models Mm -hmm. who, I I mean, I'm not saying they were without their problems, but... (laughs) No, because that would be a lie. And if there's one thing that we don't do here, we don't lie. We don't lie. Friends don't lie. Friends don't lie. Starship... (laughs) crew don't lie um nope but it just it it got it got me feeling kind of sad because i was like well wait my dad was was 68 my mom was 75 and so and so legit yeah i could i could be over half my life right now wow that just took a it took it way down yeah, well, way way down. Yeah, well, that's where I am. I'm in Anui. Anui. You, you sure are. <laughs> you and uh, what was that French guy's name who loved Anui? <laughs> all of them. It was not. It was it, all of them. But there's. It was a poet, and for some reason, my brain, which is also tired, because spoiler alert, friends, I'm also getting over an illness, not Cardassian flu, just like garden variety earth and bronchitis. Um, <laughs> Because hashtag it's it's been a rough autumn. Um, it's not Robespierre, it's Baudelaire. That's who it is. Oh, Baudelaire. Baudelaire, yeah, yeah. He was all about the ennui. And you know, speaking of ennui, when Nightmare Before Christmas opens, Jack oh. also has a lot of ennui. There it is. Back on track. Nice work, Spock. Always here for you, sir. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so Jack Skellington is also experiencing ennui. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he's quite reflecting on his mortality um, in the way that it sounds like you are, but I think... Because he's already my... dead. Right, because he's, he's already dead and, and mm-hmm. thus immortal now, I guess. That's how they portray it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he, you know, yeah, so he is ennui, and you know, unlike... Unlike yourself, it doesn't really seem like Jack is practiced in pausing to be with his feelings long enough to like get some some coherent messaging on what's coming up for him exactly. Mm-hmm. And so instead, he's like, "Oh, I'm just I'm just sad. What could it be?" And he's like, "Well, it must be my job. Always the uh, it's always got to be the job." And you know, um, I don't, I, I, I don't think there's. Well, I mean, is it a capitalist imaginary world? And I remember for Christmas, no. Was it written by people impacted by capitalism? Yes. So there's like tinges of that in there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, and so also, I feel like that's no. Go ahead, yeah. No, in <clears throat> in Nightmare Before Christmas, their jobs are their identity. Oh, there we go. Right. So I mean, right. it's. Your your job is the entirety of the meaning of your life. Mm-hmm. Sure. So I mean, in that I mean, now that you've put it out there, it makes sense that Jack is like, well, it must it must be that it must mm-hmm. be my job that's causing me this distress. Mm-hmm. Right. If I wasn't the Pumpkin King, if I was something else, then I wouldn't be sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But instead of trying on like, well, what if I was the mayor? What if I was the creepy ass scientist? What? <laughs> what? If... The creepiest scientist who's kind of a slave owner. 
Yeah. Um, this this harkens back a bit to weird science. Mm-hmm. This this is another play on Doctor Frankenstein. Yes. Yes. Well said. Um, and in this case. What what if your creation actually like turns out to be a sentient and intelligent being who mm-hmm. I mean, they're gonna kill you. That's that's what your creation's gonna do. <laughs> but because they're both already dead, um, after a fashion, he just he just keeps like coming back to life and then it's just very much like, Stop killing me, Sally. Um, <laughs> And yeah, when I was watching this again, I was like, wow, this was a children's film. <laughs> yeah. So, and like, uh, here's the thing, like, I'm yeah. all about, like, I think, I think like being scared is actually can be, um, maybe not therapeutic, but I, I do think it can be a useful experience for children. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think they need to be like wrapped in bubble wrap, either literally or figuratively until they like, I don't know, turn the age of 16 or something. Um but I think there's a balance, and there were definitely yeah moments in this film where I was like, "Ooh, I don't know, I don't know if this would have been good for you know your average six year old in 1993." Um, well, I I think if you've done the math, you know that I was not six years old in 1993. No, um, <laughs> and I no, saw you were not. No, and I saw this in the theater. Sure, with, uh, with my little friends. And uh, I was seven in 1993. Fun fact. Uh, with, and I know this is not helping. This is not helping with your flu and your ennui and your, <laughs> your grappling with mortality. <laughs> and I want to be clear to our listeners who are above 40 that mm-hmm. I, I acknowledge that this is mostly irrational. Um. And also that in some ways, of course, it is rational, like, right, you know, based on my life experience. So both and. Right. Both and. And I'd also offer that, I mean, the where your birthday just kind of falls, <clears throat> which is, I no pun intended, but here it is, like, at the end of fall. <laughs> and like f- and fall, and I think we actually have talked about this already this season, that like fall itself is the season of death. yeah and you know i never really thought about it that way but right that the trees drop their leaves Mm -hmm. the leaves are dead right (laughs) right for those of us who live in the midwest things get colder grayer kind of generally bleaker Mm -hmm. um you have to put away your tank tops (sighs) and take out your woolen socks and sweaters. And when you have sensitive skin, that's, mm. that's a tough message. It, you, very much so. Yeah. Um, also, this will be news to, I think, all of our listeners. And maybe you. I don't know if you knew this or not. but um, Okay. I, Ooh, I was, I was loved learning new things. So I was born on my father's birthday. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah, so um, anytime my birthday rolls around since he passed, it's it's tricky and complicated. Right. Because there is a celebration. Th- this is a thing they don't tell you when you are born on a significant person's birthday. 
because it's always fun, right? Like we get to, to say, we get to share this. It's this special thing we get to share together. How cool is that? And then suddenly, not only do we not share it anymore, but like your congratulations, your birthday just became complicated. You know what the Kardashian flu does? It makes you truthful. It's like a truth serum. But, to, but rolling all the way back to your point, mm. this is already a tough time of year. Right. And then you add all these layers and layers and layers. And suddenly, I'm again going to bring us back to our point. Mm-hmm. Holidays change their meaning as we age. Holidays <laughs> look a certain way when we're children and, and they morph and change over time. And I think that in our society, like so many things we don't give voice to, we don't give voice to that change and shift and how that is so normal and so okay. And it doesn't mean there's something wrong with us or our family that our holidays look different than they did when we were kids. Right. But I mean, it's it's interesting that you say that because I I, I don't know how much we... we get that message in mainstream culture. In fact, I'm with you. I think we get the opposite one and it turns into kind of like chasing the dragon, if you will, trying to get back to this idealized version of what we feel that we are expected to have and be able to celebrate pretty much once Halloween is over, Mm -hmm. right? Like Halloween is over, November hits, and I know that I'm getting old because I'm now, I've become that person where I'm just like, oh my God, the Christmas stuff is happening earlier and earlier this year. <laughs> what is... <laughs> Get this away from me. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm like, we just got through Halloween. Could we have a second? Could we have a moment? Um, and really, like, what I'm talking about is like a moment to pause in between when I feel like all that expectation starts getting thrown you know, at me, but then I feel like at all of us, right? That that we need to we need to celebrate in a particular kind of way. We have to be with a certain kind of people. We have to be enjoying all of it in this in this very sort of you can't see me, but I'm drawing a box. <laughs> um, it, so that it it fits within these confines, and that's just. <clears throat> For many of us, it's just not accurate. But then when we don't, when we don't fall within those guidelines, I think then anxiety can come up around like, oh no, am I doing it wrong? Mm-hmm. Well, and grief because, or, oh, well, because it was so magical for many, I'm, this is clearly a sweeping generalization for some people, holidays have always been wrought. Um, but for, for many of us, holidays had some kind of magic around them and so there was a there was a feeling that went with these holidays that is gone and that's what we call in the biz ambiguous grief because we can't point to a specific thing and say that is what i'm grieving like i was just talking about my parents having passed away like that's a specific thing i can point to and go i i grieve the loss of my parents but but and it's a thing that you can like if you say it out loud, if you say it to someone else, they'll be like, mm-hmm. "Oh, like they will understand depending on who the person is. I think there's like a mm-hmm. there's a decent chance that the average person would be able to to get that piece of information and be like, "Oh, yes, of course." Mm-hmm. And have an idea of how to respond and how to hold space for that. Right. You know, I mean there 
they're always the people that are like, oh, your dad died 10 years ago? <laughs> like, because really what they're saying is it gets better, right? Because I can see that in my future, my parents are going to die. And I want to know that in 10 years after they have died, that I'm going to be feeling better. And as a therapist, I know that's really what they're saying. So sure. it's cool. Um, but it's much harder to say I grieve the loss of my childhood Thanksgiving. Yeah. Like, I, a person does not know how to respond to that. They they would, they would, A, want more information. Like, what does that mean? I don't understand. Instead of just immediately offering compassion. Right. And also, even if one were to explain it, they still might not be able to hold that information. Because if I said, you know, oh, I just, I loved how things were really chaotic, but everybody was there and, you know, it, this, that, and the other thing, they still might be like, you can still have that. I'm like, I, I literally can't. Right. Right. No, that is exactly what I was imagining you having this exchange with someone that they would respond in a couple of ways, which would be like confusion, um, a variation on the theme of stop whining, or <laughs> the third one, maybe my least favorite one, which is like pretending that like, oh, but it's totally possible you can still do all of this. Just invite everyone over to your home. You'll, it's fine. It'll be the same. Mm -hmm. um, and it won't be the same because then you're tasked with hosting. The beauty of being a small human is you don't have to host shit. <laughs> You show up and there are all kinds of nice, wonderful things that are there as if by magic. You do mm -hmm. not think about how, lo how like, long any one of your family members spent trying to, like, get the little gingerbread persons to look the way that they look. <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean, I, uh, my, neither one of my parents were, uh, were particularly into cooking. Um, but holidays, they would. And so I think that's a that's kind of one of those special things. And my dad would do the turkey and he oh, wow. and he would like because this felt like such a special thing for him. He was like all in on it and he would he would massage the turkey. Oh, my gosh. He'd give it like an oil massage. <laughs> and I, I people who eat meat can tell me whether or not that's a real thing. Um but I think it is. I think it is. I've never heard of anyone doing it to a, to a turkey. Okay. Our producer is weighed in. It's a thing. Okay. Well, to me, it was just hilarious and whimsical that my dad was giving the deceased <laughs> turkey a massage. That is, that is a peak Kirkling way of framing that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> that is how you survived your childhood by really leaning into the whimsy. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, yeah, but uh, you know, to your point, even if all of the people who I had had in the past were still with us, that holiday could never be the same. Mm -mm. You know? Yeah, I mean, my... Would my parents still be living in their home? I I doubt it. Right. And are they going to fly out to Minnesota? No. No. Seems Am I... unlikely. Are 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 you going to massage a turkey? No. No, I'm not going to massage a no. turkey. And uh, am I going to fly to their nursing home and not massage a turkey? Like. <laughs> <laughs> Something I am 
imagine you in this alternate universe where both of your parents are alive and in a nursing home. You being there with like a stuffed turkey leg, which they have, and we can just put aside sort of like the socio-political ramifications of that. Um, but anyway, so I'm imagining you just like massaging this like stuffed turkey leg. <laughs> And then we just and, all and, go to the and, dining and, hall. Right. Ooh. God. As someone who very recently went to one of those nursing home dining halls, it, it's not great, the food experience. <laughs> oh. If, if And me- it doesn't matter how many time the how many times the nuns tell you that it's really good here, mm-hmm. don't believe them. If Nadine Kaufman, that's my mother, were still yes. with us, she <laughs> If she had been on the fence about you, she'd be like, I'm all in on Larissa now. <laughs> because if there was one oh. thing she was pissed off about, tout le temps, it was the food. And she'd be like, see, right. see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, rightly so. Rightly so, Nadine. <laughs> If there's an afterlife, she's gloating. I, you know, and now I'm just like imagining her in the Nightmare Before Christmas afterlife. Um, <laughs> just like hanging out with Zero, the ghost dog, being uh, like, I was right. I was right. <laughs> I was right. <laughs> See, Larissa agrees with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, mazel to you, Nadine. Ah. <laughs> uh. Uh, so this all actually does fit together, friends at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I hope you've been enjoying our just our trip down memory lane anyway, um, because that's fun and holiday like. Well, I mean, it, it is honestly like it's very appropriate to the holidays. And, and that brings up kind of another point here as well um, that, you know, for some folks, thinking of the holidays can be a traumatic experience mm-hmm. because you know, the holidays, they happen annually. Mm-hmm. And so from just a mathematical standpoint, the likelihood that something bad happened to you, like in and around one of these major holidays is is pretty, I mean, it, it's significant. Mm-hmm. And especially like the longer you're alive or you make it, you know, with one more rotation around the sun, it, it the more it goes up, right? That something, some at least something difficult, if not down like traumatic has happened around the holiday season. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we know about trauma and how it works in terms of memory in the brain is that our brains really respond (laughs) to things that are attached to one of our, one or more of our five senses. And that will bring us right back to whatever this hard experience was. So if you had a hard experience around Thanksgiving or Christmas or Hanukkah, like it's, it's going to, it's going to come back, not just because, of thinking about that time of year, but being surrounded by the sights and the smells mm-hmm. of that time of year. Yeah. Right. And they're everywhere. You, you can't, right. you know, for some folks who have experienced a trauma that's associated with a certain thing, like let's mm-hmm. say you experienced an assault um, at a, at a carnival, you, you, you may not be able to go to carnivals anymore. Right. Sure. Like, the, and you can make that choice. And you can make that choice. You can decide I am never going to be near funnel cakes ever again because the smell of funnel cakes reminds me of this terrible thing. You cannot escape the sights, smells, and sounds of these greater holidays. 
because they're just fucking everywhere. You know, a carnival you can avoid. But you what are the odds that you work in an office that is not having some sort of Thanksgiving potluck? Uh, I know you you can't. I mean, listeners, you can never see me, but today the captain can't either because her um her her video. I can see you. I can see you. You just can't see me. Oh, you can see me. Great. Then you could see me making the beaker face. Yeah, I saw you making all your faces. I'm sorry you didn't oh, know good. that. Oh, that's nice. I'm glad that you can at least see me. <laughs> yeah, the camera isn't working. It means you can't see me. I just have to imagine you and your beaker face. <laughs> I just I just look like I've been suffering with the Cardassian flu for a week. <laughs> and I don't think anybody needs to see that. Uh, fair. But you, know, you <laughs> with the Cardassian flu is beautiful. Uh, <laughs> you're a mensch. Right back at you. Yeah. Holiday um, spirit. Yeah, okay, but like what can people do then? Because we are we are very much painting this like very bleak picture of the holidays or what the holidays can kind of turn into. <laughs> this this sort of I don't know, kind of like rushing race of expectations that we like that we are chasing but can never sort of attain. Mm-hmm. Um in part because who has the time in late stage capitalist America, in part because we're chasing something that no longer exists, right? Like mm-hmm. we're chasing our childhood experience, maybe. Um, and then for, for, for others of us, right, we're trying to run from the memory of a traumatic experience that happened around the holidays. And we're not gonna be able to get away from that either. So yeah, so I'm gonna bring us do? Yeah, I'm gonna bring us right back to Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, yay! Uh, hooray! Yeah, hooray! So I actually, I would show this film uh, when I worked in an intensive outpatient treatment program for adolescents. Wow. Yeah, I know. You really have worked everywhere. Oh, you knew about that one. I did, but still, like, now that I know all the other ways, the other places you've worked, <laughs> I'm just like, wow, that's just <laughs> a lot. <laughs> We finally hit jobs I've had since I've known you. Yeah. <laughs> I remember this job, Fred. Woof. Woof. Uh, yes. Um, I will not say where this was. Uh, but for, it, for, for safety reasons. Yeah, for safety reasons. Um, but I, I, what I will say is that I loved the clients. I loved mm-hmm. working with these... Um, dual diagnosed uh adolescents and what that means is they were dealing with both mental illness and substance abuse they were just uh, they were just angry and i i don't know that's fun for me i guess because i'm a little crank too um (laughs) but i was always looking for stories that would help them tap into something and we could have a conversation about it right um so yeah. like i showed them the secret of nim and oh such a great film oh my god oh we should do that one sometime we should we definitely should you just hear me like weep for mm-hmm. 50 minutes um, and who wouldn't want that i'm sure many of our our uh our stalwart listeners would just love to hear you and i weep for 50 minutes straight well if they've listened to this so far they've listened to my nasal voice with intermittent coughing mm-hmm. because and this is love this is well this is life yes mm-hmm. this is this is a reality 
Um, Raw and unfiltered. Mostly unfiltered, but we have Brian. Uh, it's true. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, before I started recording, side note, uh, my partner came in and said, does Brian have some sort of, like, nasal filter? <laughs> To make you not sound how you sound. <laughs> I was like, no, I think I think the listeners are just getting all this. Mm-hmm. Oh. But anyway, so I showed Nightmare Before Christmas, and I would sh- and I would show the film and ask them what I thought they were supposed to get out of it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say like, here's the story, here's the message you're supposed to get out of this. Um, and they're like, to be true to ourselves. And I'm like, damn right, kids, to be true to yourselves. That's right. Um, (laughs) Because you are just fucking fine the way you are. And so what what I love about this film is that Jack feels like there is something wrong with him or his life. And he decides to make this huge change. He decides that if if I can't escape smelling Thanksgiving dinner... I'm going to I'm going to move to Toronto because <laughs> they don't have this fucking holiday. And then he realized, you know what? I'm not Canadian. Right. And so what he did was he rewrote the narrative of what it means to be the the pumpkin king. Mm-hmm. He was like, you know what? I can be me and I can fulfill this role and I can do it in in a way that feels authentic to me. Um, and so as we're talking to our listeners about like, what do I do about these holidays that I, you know, that I feel powerless against, like, right. well, what do you want them to look like? Mm-hmm. I know there's this grief about your lost childhood or the, this lost memory from your childhood. And that's really hard mm-hmm. and awful. And also those were, those were traditions and narratives that were given to you. If you were in charge, which spoilers you are, what would you want Thanksgiving to look like? And this, I mean, this is going to be this is going to be a real niche comment I'm making, but there's this current IKEA commercial. Ooh. This is even I this is so niche that I can't even go there with you, but please continue. Um yeah, <laughs> because uh I do watch some things that have commercials. Um, Ikea has a commercial right now that's all about the different types of holidays people are celebrating. And it shows, like, you know, this uh, this African-American family celebrating. They're, they're sad because clearly someone has died, but also this baby has been born. And then they show this uh, this Jewish family who are lighting the candles for Hanukkah. And then they show this clear family of choice that's, like, three or four people together drinking wine. And... The idea is like it doesn't matter what you're celebrating. What matters is that you fa- you found what works for you. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to double down on both that IKEA commercial and Nightmare Before Christmas <laughs> and say that you have say here. You get to decide. And if it no longer works for you <coughs> to schlep home to experience the the holidays that don't feel authentic to you anymore, well, uh, maybe spend some time reflecting on what does feel authentic to you. You know, does it does it feel good to celebrate with your family of choice? But I see you having a thought. What is your thought? Well, 
I'm having two thoughts. One, I'm thinking of what sometimes happens when I have this conversation with folks and they give me this look like, well, I don't even want to think about that, Larissa, because it's not possible. I have to go to Grandma Ethel's because if I don't go to Grandma Ethel's, I'm going to hear it from my mom and then I'm going to hear it from my uncle and I'm going to hear it from my cousin and then it's going to be terrible and Grandma will cry. Mm-hmm. Of course, this is a hypothetical that I've made up because hashtag confidentiality. Um, <laughs> but, but like, I hear versions of this all the time from folks. Mm-hmm. The other thing I sometimes hear is for folks who are struggling with um, like traumatic memories resurfacing, there really is that feeling of, I didn't choose to have this awful thing happen to me. And that was hard enough. And now I'm struggling with how I don't have a choice when it comes up for me again. Mm-hmm. And it's like getting in the way and, and wrecking what I want to have here for this holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like what unites kind of both of these is feeling like the choices are either non-existent or limited. And I suppose in both of those situations, I try to move us towards the idea that they're not non-existent, (laughs) but they are limited. Mm -hmm. And it does go back to this idea of grief, like really trying to open up the space for grieving what has been lost. Mm -hmm. Right. That it, and that is, I mean, that that's the part of having a traumatic experience that it's not only that moment, but it's then what ripples out into the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And even if you're able to take some very shittily wrapped gifts from those hard experiences, you still have a memory of it. Mm -hmm. And that can continue to be hard and painful in some unexpected ways. And so then it, it sometimes becomes, all right, how do we, kind of build in feeling like you have choices around that. Mm -hmm. So if you know that the holidays are a hard time and things are going to be coming up for you, are there things that you can choose to do to be gentle with yourself, to be compassionate with yourself? Are there people in your life who you can trust to then also be gentle with you and hold space for you? Because this is a more challenging time of year. Mm Mm-hmm. For folks who feel like they just have to go to Grandma Ethel's no matter what, like full stop, in some ways it's the same kind of conversation. All right, so you feel like you need to go. Like maybe can you go for half the day and not the whole day? Mm -hmm. Can you go but not stay overnight? Can you go and then figure out ways to take breaks, right? Can you go but bring your own side dish so you have something that you know you enjoy eating and are not choking down the Velveeta casserole that gets made every single year? (laughs) Was that ripped from the headlines of some of my own personal experiences? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, and I I talk to folks about similar stuff as well. If, if If it feels so much harder to not do the thing then, okay, how do we do the thing and make mm-hmm. it feel less bad this time? So who who in your friends list can you text with? Who is really going to get it? Mm-hmm. How, how can you step away from things in a way that it's going to, it's not going to cause a thing, right? Um, and can you... Um, can you make yourself a little self-care kit? I've Oh, I like that. Yeah, and I've done that with clients many times where they're like, what do you mean? Like, uh, can you take some shit with you that helps you feel better? 
-hmm. Like you can you carry a a bag of some sort, backpack, messenger bag, something in right. which in which you have some uh some of those sensory things because we right as you were giving voice to like sensory stuff is really impactful. So guess what? We can use it to our advantage. Right. Ev everything that has a shadow has some light to it. So if if sensory shit hits us at a visceral level and that can be really traumatic, sensory stuff can hit us at a visceral level and fucking help. So, right. you know, in that bag, can you have some essential oils or something else that you like to smell that smells nice? Can, can you have something that feels good, like a like a little stone or, you know, some kind of fidget? Something. Fidget cube, silly putty. Mm -hmm. um, one of those, I can't think of them now, but they're sort of, they're kind of like jelly-like and you stretch them. Mm, I don't know. I don't know what they're called. But um, but yeah, jellies that you can stretch. Things like that. <laughs> and like, if they're small, the smaller the better. Because then you can kind of just have it in a pocket. And if something happens that is sensory that starts to take you down a, a memory lane that you don't really want to go down, you can kind of pull that out. Mm -hmm. And what you're doing is you're bringing yourself back to the present moment. And nothing brings you back to the present moment quite like sensory stuff. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have anything like that, or you do, but you're like, oh, shit, my bag is across the room and it's happening right now. You can like look around the room and just find, like, give yourself a simple assignment. Like, find four things that are blue. Mm -hmm. Look around the room and find four things that are rectangular shaped, right? Kind of like squeeze your palms, like not mm -hmm. Betty Cooper style where like you're <laughs> digging nails in, but you know, firm, firm, but gentle, a firm, but gentle squeeze. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some other um, tricks I've used with folks is um, if, yeah, if your bag is on the other side of the room and you don't have anything with you, I, okay, I'm noticing I'm having this big feeling. I'm going to pay attention to a body part that I never give any thought to. Okay, bring awareness to your left second toe. Right. Who thinks about their left second toe? <laughs> no, I, I could confidently say no one is thinking about it. No one was thinking about it before I said it. And now you're all thinking about it. No, you're all like, wow, like, can I even move it independently? I can't. What does that mean? <laughs> But being able to do shit like that will get you out of the the overwhelming experience, bring you back to your body and the present moment where you can make a decision. Hey, can I can I step away from this? Is now a time a good time to step away? Seems like yeah. Seems mm -hmm. like yeah. And um, have I ever talked about my uh, my embodiment trick on this podcast? You have not. So please do. Um, so I have discovered over years of research <laughs> that, that the greatest and simplest five senses practice is to have a lifesaver's mint in its package with you at all times. And here's why. Mm -hmm. You can touch them. Through the packaging or not, they make a satisfying mm -hmm. crinkle, and, sure. and they have Lifesaver printed on the side, so it's got a nice tactile feel. Mm -hmm. So you've got, you got your feeling, you got your, 
you're hearing. You can look at it. It's it's nice and white. Sometimes it's got little little specks on it, depending on what kind of lifesavers you have chosen. Mm-hmm. Crack it open. You can smell that wonderful minty smell. Right. And then you, you pop it in the mouth. And you've got all five of your senses in one handy-dandy package. I call it Embody Mint. You're welcome. I, I I really appreciate that even in your weakened state, sir, you are still able to dazzle us <laughs> with your portmanteaus. If this is all I have to offer the world, I will, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I will make it the best that I can. And you have. Great. Wonderful. So we've talked about a lot of things today. Mm-hmm. Um not the least of which was the embodiment. Mm. Um, in addition to the embodiment, which mm-hmm. of course is both a literal and a figurative gift that we offer to you, our listeners, <laughs> um, what are some other things that we're hoping that folks are taking away from today's episode? Um, so my hope would be that folks are taking away um, this idea that holidays and their views of them change as we age um and our families change and that that's that's okay um that there's this idea of uh personal happiness versus the myth of happiness which we didn't speak to specifically but i think we can infer we were talking about that quite a bit that there's yes, this we idea really, we yeah we talked mm-hmm. about it and never really named it like we're talking about the myth of happiness, but mm-hmm. we were. But we but we were. Yes. Here's what happiness is supposed to look like. And that may not bring up feelings of happiness. Um and having uh self compassion and doing self care in those difficult times, which mm-hmm. is not is not gonna change everything. But it does make those hard situations feel just a little bit better. Yes. And nothing epitomizes that more than a self-care kit that you can bring with you. Mm-hmm. If you happen to be traveling or going anywhere for some of these holidays. Um, and why not put an embodiment in that travel kit? Yeah! Whole bag! Whole- and just so like this is very clear, there are no, there's no sponsored content on this podcast. This was not us like... Like low key doing some sort of ad for um, mints. This is just something that the captain knows works. Yeah, although if um, lifesavers, if you're listening, I would like that sweet, sweet mint money, <laughs> or maybe just a life a lifetime supply of uh, lifesavers. Mints. Oh my! We go through so many of them at my office. <laughs> Actually, we do too. Sometimes I come out and people are just taking like handfuls and putting them in their pockets. <laughs> oh my god! That. Uh- when uh, when Larissa and I worked with uh, one of our mentors, Phil, he mm-hmm. he had this huge basket of lifesavers, and people would just mm-hmm. like handfuls and handfuls and handfuls, handfuls. and I was like, mm-hmm. Phil, put out fewer mints. <laughs> god people loved him now i'm remembering one of oh gosh i loved i loved this human that i'm thinking of right now and they would always they would do that and they were like i gotta take him for the road larissa (laughs) 
<laughs> and I was like, okay, yep, you you do you, friend. Yeah, I have this very um... I have this very vivid memory of of one client as they were putting handfuls and handfuls and handfuls of them into their purse. They were like, you really shouldn't put this many out. You know, people being people. Oh my. It's just fascinating the way that awareness works. Yeah, I know. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I digressed us again. No worries. No worries. Nope. I think, I think we have, we've covered what, um, we have to offer folks today. What, um, uh, as usual, take what works and leave the rest. Yes. Don't worry. I wasn't going to forget that. Okay. I would never forget that. Um, today we really did not talk about a lot of fandoms. We (laughs) briefly referenced Supernatural because it wouldn't really be a Starship Therapies podcast (laughs) without both Star Trek and Supernatural. Um, we talked a lot about uh, Nightmare, Before, Nightmare Before Christmas, and in a move that really surprised me, we spent some quality time talking about a recent IKEA commercial, <laughs> which I believe is a Starship Therapies first. And the Netflix original, Daybreakers. We sure did. <laughs> If we could get some sponsorship, we have we have a wide range of topics we discuss. Just yes, yes, we do, sir. We sir, we we definitely do. Just you know, sponsors. If you're listening, we're ready. Um, okay, should I close it out? Yep, I think we're ready, my friend. You yeah. made it to sixty minutes. <laughs> I'm sure that's going to get edited down for coughs, but really, bravo, man. I'm feeling every second of it. I'm sure you are. You're a champion and a warrior. Just take us home, Captain. We're almost done. We may be at the helm of this ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Ensign Kyle Rebar, who composed our theme song. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandicat Duthie, who designed our beautiful cover art. And finally, thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens, our resident pumpkin king. Join us for our next app on Coping with Legacy, How to Live Down Expectations. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the very best way you can support our podcast is to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to tell your friends. As always, friends, live live long and and prosper. credits could just be coughing it really it could just a (laughs) melange of coughs